And uh, uh, my question is with regard uh, to your comment on uh, discussion on your book, that you said that um, Kanishta Vikaris cannot act as Shiksha, uh, as Shriguru. Uh, um, and also in this line we can see like Gorki Shodas Babaji is coming and then Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati. So that means still there was some substance. Even if it like flourished with uh, uh, shiksha, still something was transmitted. I said that in the book. Uh, no, it was in a comment on Facebook on uh, discussion. Uh huh. Uh huh. Uh huh. I think that um, first of all, I may have responded on that comment somewhat relative to um, circumstances um, in which persons have been affiliated with a sect and a, and a guru for some time, and the sect has a strong, uh, very strong kind of propaganda about adherence to the uh, to the guru's instructions, which which is which is appropriate, but um, at the same time it has a record of not um, in many cases the teachers are not very well educated in the teaching, and and often their um, ability to it's apparent that their ability to serve in that capacity is is uh, is limited at best. They have probably the worst track record of of of, of sects, uh, Gaudiya sects, in, in that regard, um, unfortunately. And so, sometimes, in my circumstances, I people from that type of environment come in touch with 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 me, my books or talks or something like that, and they they become inspired, and at the same time they carry around their neck some type of heavy type of like I might be making them an offense here or guilt or or, or, or something like that, and and they're they're torn in this kind of way in which they've been taught that in their minds is interpreted in such a way that they can't separate from that person even though he in many respects um, in, in much of my, in some of my experience uh, over the years um, uh, not picking a particular individual but a number of them were very uh, unqualified and were even offensive to other other Vaishnavas and impeded um, their so-called students from making progress and hearing from more qualified persons. And so, um, um, I may have made a strong statement there to help them uh, just disconnect for their own good. Um, that said, um, I've told uh, 
in the past the story of Puri Goswami Maharaj after the departure of Pujapad Sridharmarsh, some of his uh, disciples um, preferred to take the Siksha and association of Pramod Puri Goswami Maharaj rather than the named successor of Pujapad Sridharmarsh, Bhaktisundar Govinda Maharaj. And it caused a little bit of a friction in between the groups and it escalated and um, at one point some of these disciples of Sridhar Maharaj or Govinda Maharaj and the Chaitanya Saraswadmat from that group said to some of the students that that Sridhar Maharaj has said that Puri Maharaj is only Kanishtadikari Guru Maharaj is, is, is his successor. He has the Rupa chair of the Rupanuga Sampradaya and so forth. And so the disciples, the students, and those hearing from Guru Maharaj were very much offended. I wasn't involved at the time, it was after, after Sridhar Maharaj had left, but I was involved when Sridhar Maharaj was here and he made the comment about Guru Maharaj. And he made it in the context of giving examples of activities of devotees that corresponded more with the with the neophyte or Kanishta, the, the Madhyam or the intermediate and the Uttam or the superlative devotees. So he said, Purimarsh um, Kanishta, Madhav Maharaj Madhyama, Swami Maharaj referring to Prabhupada, Uttama. And what he meant by that is that Puyamarsh was very much involved with the ritual and the deity worship, and I think he was um, involved in all the installations of all the deities. And in the Bhagavatam, there's a, f- a famous verse there uh, describing the uh, the neophyte um, in terms of realization as one who has re- his regard for the deity of course, it says, uh, without re- much regard for the Vaishnava, which certainly wouldn't be the case for Purimarsh, as the story will will um, make clear as we, as we go on. But because of uh, his involvement with the deity worship, that idea came to Purimarsh's mind. Hmm? Um, It's, it's it's often the case, I, I suppose, that... Yeah. Anyway, so, that was... His, and and Madhav Marsh was, was widely preaching in India uh, and, and 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 claimed himself to be a Madhav Madhukari and had not... And he made the claim that he had not seen the internal form of Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswati Thakur uh, in passing from the world, and he was lamenting. So he characterized himself, in a sense, by that statement as a Madhyamadikari. Hmm? And then Prabhupada Gurmarsh was, you know, doing this extraordinary campaign all, all over the world, dispensing with a lot of formalities, um, able to adjust in new and dynamic circumstances, and deliver the principles, and have extraordinary results in preaching. Um, so, he just used them in this way. They're all great souls, 
And certainly Purimarsh is, is not a Kanishta Hikari, but that was the context. So somebody took that out of context and said, uh, Sridhar Marsh has said that Purimarsh is only Kanishta Hikari. So the disciples of Purimarsh were upset and they went to Purimarsh and they said, they are saying that that, that Sridhar Marsh has said that you are Kanishta Hikari. And he said, oh, Sridhar Marsh has given me some Adhikari. Hmm? In Bhakti, and I'm, I'm, I'm blessed. Uh, so, there's a very nice example of Anuta Madhikari hmm, in that instance. And, um, and it also stresses the point that a Kanishta is not necessarily a small um, thing to have some footing in, in, in Vaishnavism. Um, even in the beginning ways, is, 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 is a big thing. Now, that said, there are different ways in which Acharyas have talked about the uh, Kanishta Bhakti. We know typically talked about Kanishta Adhikaris um, differently than we tend to talk about them um, now. He talked about them more in terms of the general populace of Bengal, many of the many born in Vaishnava families who would worship Krishna, maybe chant, but they didn't have any, some really Samandagyan, not much of any understanding of the teachings, and they were more or less nominally in name only Gaudiya Vaishnavas. And because they weren't well acquainted with the teaching, for example, of Sambandagyan, their nam uh, tended to be nam aparad. Obviously, if you know the ten aparads, if you've learned this Sambandagyan, some of them you're not going to commit. One of them would be to think the names of Krishna and the names of the demigods are the same. So they wouldn't have that kind of sensibility, maybe to chant Kali and their, their Vaishnavas, but, you know, so this is very different than what we might say a new devotee who's been converted and has got so much uh, knowledge and scriptural logic uh, that's been shared with them in order to convert them, and they've been told about the nam aparads and so many things, and, and they're actually practicing and serious Vaishnavas, but they're still neophytes. So there's different ways to talk about it. The way Bhakti Vinod talked about it, it's kind of like a more general and extended uh, sense of the term. That person, um, obviously, uh, couldn't serve in the capacity of a guru. They're barely serving in the capacity of a of a, of, of a student. So there's some range. I mean, after the disciple, the, 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 excuse me, the disappearance of Bhakti Sanat Sarasthi Thakur, um, Anantabhasadeva, who became known as Puri Maharaj, and was, was uh, the leader of a large number of the members of Gaudiya Mouth serving as an Acharya, he, um, in the, uh, either the Harmonist magazine or Nadia Prakash, one of the magazines, published an article where he came up with the term um, or the idea that there are Kanishta Kanishtas, Madhim Kanishtas, Uttam Kanishtas. So he gave all this shadowing or nuance. Kanishta Madhims, Madhim Madhims, Uttam Madhims. Hmm? Kanishta Uttams, Madhim Uttams, Uttam Uttams. Hmm? Um, so it's a nice... Uh, Idea, so that, that, that these are kind of landmarks or, or um, uh, what would you say, something to hold on to. Hmm? 
to um, categorize uh, devotees so that we may interact with them appropriately and take advantage of their association. So part of the decorum, which Rupa Goswami has written about how to interact with the Kanishta, with the Madhim, with the Uttam, or he would say, with your peers, you act in one way, it's common sense, with your superiors in another, with those who are less advanced in another way. And through that he explained um, basically the idea of how these Madhyam Uttam Kanishta would should relate with one another in a way that everyone can um, get the most benefit. So there's a at any rate there's a there's a range and I've given a good example. Someone in Iskon, which is a group that I joined originally, could be chanting their rounds in early days and and uh, serving the deity and serving Prabhupada enthusiastically and be very, very different from somebody in Bengal who was, a, like I say, a nominal Vaishnava and the kind of person that Bhaktivinoda Thakur was, was talking about in a lot of his writings. And they could still be both Kanishtadikars. I like to characterize the Madhyam by the, excuse me, by the concern and interest that gives rise to proper discrimination, mm-hmm. excuse me, for the sake of making progress. Mm-hmm. Wants to make progress regularly in, in bhakti, is driven daily by the idea of making progress in bhakti. Mm-hmm. Um, so Eric had many other things to say, but uh, so a range anyway of Kanishta Adhikars. And someone might be a Kanishta Adhikari in realization, but they might be also uh, well versed in the scripture and in the theoretical um, uh, aspect of the teaching, and might be, as such a teacher, qualified to give the right teachings, educate the the disciple, and so on and so forth. And such a person might also, would also be serving, such a person, if they were serving in the capacity of a guru, there might be a place for him or her uh, to do that. And I think that a good um, illustration or example of their qualification would be that in the case that the student while being educated, felt some lacking due to the lack of realized knowledge of the guru, and at the same time perhaps would experience that by way of having encountered a more advanced devotee in the capacity of guru, and then have that comparison. Hmm? And then want to have that association of the advanced devotee, and then the less advanced devotee, let's say the Kanishta, who knows the theory well and, and conducts himself or herself appropriately, but his realization would fall, let's say, within within the Kanishta Adhikari, um, would then bless the disciple to um, take that association and so on and so forth. But the more you talk about that, the more he starts to become Madhimadikari <laughs> rather than a Kanishnadikari because now he's respecting Vaishnavas and and in in a prominent in a prominent way and so forth. Um, so 
um, that said, then, as much as a Kanishta Adhikari, as characterized in Bhagavatam, in terms of realization, does not have much regard for the Vaishnava, how can they become a guru? How can they serve as a guru? Hmm? Effectively. Anyone can take the post for some time and, and whatnot, but how can they effectively um, do that? It seems a rather uh, questionable. Hmm. Um, in Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu, there's a description of the Kanishta Adhikari whose faith is weak. Gomal hmm. Shraddha. Uh, so a person of tender faith will not be a very suitable person to strengthen the uh, faith of others. And if the spiritual path is a development, in one sense, through different stages of faith, to enter in the language, poetic language of Puddhashita Marshali, the, the planets of faith, where uh, all, with all doubt removed and fully uh, in a fully animated world, as much as I often say faith is the animating principle in life, I think the Gita says something along those lines, a person is their faith. Um, without faith, Puja Patridamash used to like to say, suspicion leads to suspension. So, a suspended animation, if I have faith in something, that if I proceed along these lines it will occur, then I have the energy and enthusiasm, the power to proceed. Hmm. So, in one sense, as I'm thinking about it, bhakti is a development of deeper and deeper faith, and faith here is distinguished from belief, um, as Bhakti Vinod talked about it, belief being a, a, an intellectual or mental kind of um, conviction, and faith being a, an inner conviction based on um, experience. So, so to enter the planets of faith in a fully animated world, everything's animated, and um, one is in the kind of the homeland of the heart. The head's not required to check everything out first. Head is required only to decide how to serve best in any situation, not whether or not I should serve, um, and so forth. So, if, and I think it's fine to speak about it like this, Puja Pachita Murshi used to say that, that faith is the halo of, of Radharani. So, it's very... <laughs> different idea than, than a belief system. Hmm? It means that it's illuminating. Faith means the clearance of, of doubts. Hmm? Um, you know, you get the illumination is often uh, graphically depicted as, as a light bulb. Hmm? Well, the lights have gone, now I can see and I know where to go. Um, no, more, no, no more doubts, I'm not in the shadows. Hmm? So the halo of Radha, who is Lalini Shakti. As I said, there's a little bit of Radha in every devotee. Hmm? Um, Bhakti Devi. So, so if this is our task, this is our course to traverse the path of faith, to grow the faith, and so forth, then a person of tender faith who the implication is, as Rupa Goswami describes, who is not well acquainted with the scriptural argument, which is there to strengthen the faith. After all, the faith is what? What is the faith? 
faith is, we say sometimes, Shastriya Shraddha. So faith in the idea that comprehensive knowledge can be arrived at on its own terms. So there's a kind of knowledge that, that, that can't be part of our material agenda, but can make us part of its agenda. And And the, so, revelation, revelation, the idea behind revelation, as I often say, is that if we want perfect knowledge, we have to have a perfect method. And the senses are not a perfect method. Uh, as we know, they're, 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 they often uh, misguide us. In the night, we might see a tree and think it's a person. Reasoning is limited, hmm? also to arrive at conclusive truth. In fact, it's said to lend to kind of a, a circular hmm, understanding. One type of reasoning, this place is another, and so on. Tarko, Pratishtana, you can't get any Pratishtana, any standing, any firm ground by reasoning alone. The, the fallacy of, you know, there are, the, there are the logical fallacies, and then there's the fallacy of logic. That's <laughs> more, more important. To, um, so, those are our faculties. We're not saying that we should do away with them, but we say that they are not uh, in and of themselves sufficient to bring us to perfect knowledge. They have their place in the pursuit of perfect knowing. And then what is perfect knowing? It's a kind of knowing by which I have the strong sense I don't need to know anything else. I'm, it's a satisfied kind of knowing. So it's not a knowing of everything. Hmm? But uh, a knowing that that uh, is kind of an end to knowing, mm-hmm. and the need to know. Um, so uh, it's pretty really practical. It can't be arrived at by sense perception and, and and by reasoning alone. But those are our instruments, and so we can arrive at the conclusion that you know it's a fallacy to pursue perfect knowledge. There is no perfect knowledge. Find the best. Whatever you can figure it out. Nobody's perfect. Nobody has perfect knowledge, and so forth. But ours is a theory that there is something called perfect knowledge. Hmm? There is the capital G good, the perfect good, hmm? the platonic good, and then there is the small g good, the moral good, and the attempt to make make uh, to to be perfectly informed so that your actions are perfect in this world, but it's an impossibility. We step down here, it comes up there. Hmm? The moral realm is only only speaks to us about the fact that there is a real good, hmm? being a shadow of it itself. Therefore, the wise person, it's thought, in the, in the, in the Eastern spiritual tradition, comes to the conclusion in the pursuance of the moral good. Hmm? That, that it inevitably falls short. And this is the teaching over and over again. Abrahma bhuvana loka punara vartuna arjuna. How much more morally correct could you be than the four-headed Brahma, is the idea. Hmm? And how much longer of a life could you have acquired, which is a sign of piety, have a long life, huh, than the Brahma. 
And Abrahma Bhuvana Loka Arjuna. Krishna says, even the Brahma has to fall down from and take birth again. But but Mamupetya Tukonteya Punarjanmana Bidite. But my abode going there one never returns. That's an important point. Krishna distinguishes his abode repeatedly in the Gita from all other domains, all other realms, in this one way. There are other ways it, it, they're distinguished as well. But his realm is distinguished from all the other realms, uh, material realms, in that they uh, you have to take birth again. Hmm? Going to his, you do not. So, the, the simple point there, it's, it's a simple point, it's brought up in the Bhagavatam through so many stories, but it's a hard point for people to grasp, hmm, to catch, hmm, that the attempt on the part of good people to be good hmm, and, 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 and have the, the quest for perfect knowledge by which our actions will be perfectly informed and it will all be sorted out. I mean, everybody's trying to have the kingdom of God, often enough times, unfortunately, without God, but <laughs> um, the the conclusion in the Vedic school is that I do the serious and, and complete inquiry into the moral life, Dharma Jignashu, and if I've done it right, I come to the conclusion that it's not going to happen. And what arises is Brahma Jignashu. Hmm? Going above the moral realm, hmm? going to that which the moral realm is a shadow of, a taste of, a semblance of, hmm? perfect good. Hmm? Um, so, um, this is the, uh, the, the, the the transcendentalist's position. So one becomes a transcendentalist now, hmm? and may look to the moralist to be, in some cases, un- uncaring in his her meditation on the mount. Hmm? What about all the troubles of the world and so forth? But he or she feels this is their conviction and it should be honored by people, whether they believe it or not. Hmm? Um, if you want to be PC, <laughs> then you should honor the transcendentalists, even if you don't want to be one and you don't believe in it. You should honor them. Their, their thought about it. This is their thought. And their thought is this, that there is a real good. Hmm? which is how everybody kind of starts out and trains their kids and so forth. There is a perfect good. But we have we are imperfect in terms of our ability to attain it. And we need a perfect method. And the perfect method is one in which perfection itself is a living, alive thing, reveals itself to us. And that is the principle behind the revelation. And so in Hindu schools then the idea is that there's there there are sounds that in structure of the world hmm? just like there are mathema- mathematical uh, equations in the structure of of the world that are discovered by mathematicians some mathematicians think that they're invented by the mathematicians to describe the world some in the majority of them think that they're actually discovered. It's kind of a mystical, sacred uh, geography or something. Hmm? Um, calculus. And so it explains, it tells us about, about things that we can't see, but they're there. The equation shows that there's a quark 
and a gluon and uh, something like this. And then we act accordingly and we get a pragmatic result. Mm-hmm. So the, the revelation is something like these mathematical equations, mantras, sounds, and the Brahma use the sounds to, 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 like sound distinguishes, it differentiates. By sound we differentiate forms from one another, so he differentiate the world and by sound and um, brought it into manifestation is the idea. Mm-hmm. So the rishis hear the sounds and then they they repeat the sound and it becomes the such and such Upanishad named after a particular rishi uh, uh, or the god the deity of the rishi that was revealed to him and so forth so so this is the idea of the eastern uh, revelation beginning with the the uh, the Veda and Upanishad and so forth and um and so those who have faith in that, hmm, then they, and, and who have, in, in the context of that faith, have come to the transcendental perspective, passed through the moral perspective, and, and uh, are pursuing, the, have become transcendentalists, then um, they have regard for this, uh, this the Shastra, hmm, the Shabda, the sound, hmm, and they feel that it constitutes perfection speaking about itself. Pujapachita Maharaj used to speak about the, the, uh, the Pranava Omkar, kind of the, the, um, the original Vedic sound preceding all the Vedic mantras as a, as an affirmation. Yes, what you, a human, are about and questioning about and pursuing can be found. What's arising in human consciousness, the thought, the idea that there could be meaning, purpose, and perfection, it can be found. And then so many statements after that to help us to find our way and so forth. So, and we use our instruments, our reasoning, in relation to the sound. We use our senses in relation to the sound. So we don't throw out our senses, we don't throw out our reasoning. We use them in relation to the sound to understand it, its implications, um, how it might be applied in different time, in different circumstance, what is, it, what is it saying in essence, and so on and so forth. We get a teacher to help us, and, and so on, and another form of, well, the guru that we're talking about, revelation. And, the, and so the faith in the, which is the way, the medium, the, the, to, to, to the vehicle, if you will, if reason is not the vehicle unto itself and senses are not, then the faith in the perfect way of knowing is the vehicle. That there are things that I cannot know unto myself and they're found in in Shastra. Hmm? And so, the more one has faith in that, the more one will be arguably acquainted with that, have an affinity for that, and have his or her life kind of orbit around that. In our case, the hub of all the sacred texts in the Revelation is, is the Bhagavatam. So someone develops an affinity for the Bhagavatam, a taste for the Bhagavatam, a liking for the Bhagavatam. Their, their, their life starts to orbit around 
the Bhagavatam. They can teach the Bhagavatam to others. So if one's faith is is, is weak, hmm, the implication, which is the characteristic of a Kanishtadikari in Rupa Goswami's explanation in Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu, how well can they teach then the, uh, the scriptural argument hmm, to others um, by which our faith is strengthened, by which we're separated from our own um, notions and ideas. Um, that's why I say the tattva is very important. The tattva is not separate from the bhava. Hmm? The tattva kind of prepares us for the for the bhava, hmm? takes out other ideas, notions that we have, and and so forth. Hmm? A lot of times we hear nowadays about certain points of scripture that persons don't understand certain aspects of sadanta, of, of scriptural conclusions of Gaudiya Vaishnavism, um, and rather than citing the scripture or knowing even where to go in the scripture, they give some logic or some analogy as if that's conclusive truth. Like someone was saying, it's very simple that, 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 that Prem Bhakti is inside the jiva, just like you take two pieces of wood, there's fire inside the wood. If you take one piece of wood, you rub it with another one, that's like sadhusanga, and the fire comes out. Someone goes, yeah, hey, that sounds great. It's just an analogy. It means nothing. <laughs> it's not a proof of anything. Hmm? It's a way of illustrating a point that you want to make, but whether your point is good is questionable. And, of course, there is no fire in the wood. It's the combustion, and that's another thing. But, hmm? Now, there are useful analogies that's, that do seek to illustrate and make clear certain philosophical points in the scripture, but analogies in themselves, or just human logic. I think it should be like this because I'm a person and love is like this, and it should be, this doesn't, this doesn't have any any um, any power. Hmm? And then if you go to the scripture, but you don't know where to go, and you don't know how to quote it, cite it in context and so forth, that's not very helpful. Hmm? And if you know where to go, but then you, instead of lear- going there and finding out, with a view to find out what it says... You see, to find out what it says, the spirit of it, this submissive inquiry is a term that Prabhupada used to use, is I'm going to bear myself here before the fire of Scripture and enter into it and see what it says and then let go of my own ideas. I'm going in here to, to be changed. Not that I'm taking some ideas, carrying them in there, and I'm going to, now I'm going to change what it says in there and translate it differently to make it work. For, this kind of, you know, if you're going to have a discussion about some some issues like this, you might ask in the beginning, are you ready to accept that you might be wrong here to start with? Is that even a possibility? Or maybe we shouldn't have a discussion. Hmm? Um, let's look at the scripture and see what it says. Objectively. So, so this is how one of the ways in which we can grow our um, our faith. We call sometimes faith as a Shastriya Shraddha, faith in the revelation, in the general idea that Comprehensive knowing will come about. Perfect knowing will come out in a perfect way. I say the perfect way is like this. You fold your hands. You don't know. Hmm? Faith is kind of like this. A trust in my... A lack of trust in my ability. Hmm? This is the spirit of bhakti. Hmm? The, 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 the spirit, the very center of Sharanagati is this dependence. Hmm? The mood behind this dependence. 
It's not a self-asserting um, sensibility. Mm-hmm. Um, it's an acknowledgement, which is a strong point of my dependence, of, of my inability to sort it all out and so forth. Mm-hmm. Some may not believe that there is perfect knowledge, but still everybody tries to get it and tries to say they've got it, a corner of it, <laughs> uh, and so forth. Mm-hmm. So, as I'm explaining, um, you can see that it would be difficult for a Kanishtadikari to be a guru. If a Kanishtadikari has weak faith, hmm, and the whole idea is to grow faith, how he or she can serve as a guru. Hmm? If the Kanishtadikari doesn't have proper respect for the Vi- for the Vaishnav, how can it be a guru? Hmm? When there may be more advanced Vaishnavas whom he, he, he might want to, who should um, uh, allow his students to hear from, for example, the occasion arises. And if he does, he starts to become a Madhimadikari, in a sense. So, while there is a range with, within the Kanishtadikari, let's say the Uttam Kanishta might be able to serve in some capacity as a guru. Hmm? Um, um, now, to your argument, or to, to your to what gives rise to your question, um, the fact that that Pujapad Shridharmarsh was of the opinion, and I, I'm sure he got it from Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswati Thakur, that some of the uh, persons in the formal lineage of Bhakti Vinod Thakur lacked uh, spiritual substance to be a guru, in the real sense of the term, so they were Kanishtadikaris, let's say. So your question is, well, if they were Kanishtadikaris, then nothing could have come through, and something must have come through, because here we are today. Hmm? Right? <laughs> well, I think that... I, you, that um, you're kind of looking at the lineage in kind of a linear and in a limited way, which is often how it's presented, this unbroken chain of disciplic succession. And if you're in this chain, and one link is weak, the whole thing is lost, and so forth. What you really are in is in in, in, in a culture where there's a number of lineages and many texts and so forth. Hmm? And you have a guru, a qualified guru, and 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 you take Bhaktivinotakur. He he had uh, Bhipin Bihari Goswami as his guru, and Bhipin Bihari Goswami rejected Bhaktivinod. At least he wrote that in a, in a, in, a, in, a, in a publication because he disagreed with Bhaktivinod's opinion and, and effort to establish that the birthplace of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was in Mayapur. So we got we got a guru Tyagi, mm-hmm. uh, or well, some of them were rejected by his guru. Excuse me, not he didn't reject his guru, but his guru rejected him, mm-hmm. as as our gurus in our lineage. But of course, Bhaktivinoda Thakur, at the same time, his efforts to establish the birthplace of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu were, and his realization was honored by Jagannath Das Babaji, who was brought to the place, and. Acknowledge, yes, this is the place, and he was a Siddha Mahatma that was everyone was respected in the community. Um, 
which was a position that was not enjoyed by Bhikkhu Bihari Goswami, not to fault him, but to be like Jagannath Das Babaji is, is rather um, extraordinary. So, uh, Bhakti Siddhanta Sarsati Thakur, I believe, he, he was uh, of the opinion that there are things found in Bhakti Vinod you know, that are not found in Bhikkhu Bihari Goswami, but they are found in Jagannath Das Babaji. And so, he absorbed them in that way. And so, his his you know idea that that um, it's not necessarily always just has to be a straight line or something like that. That uh, teachings are there, and uh, and this li- very linear idea, you know, the it's a good idea. It? But another way, one of the ways in which it becomes apparent, perhaps, uh, the the way the way it's thought of is often less than ideal was the idea of the Diksha Patra, that you get the letter from your guru that says you're initiated and these are the gurus in your line and these this is who they are in the Krishna Leela. Mm-hmm. So you'll meditate on them. And so that that's all good and fine, but if time goes on and we have a thousand years from now, how many gurus will be in the line? How, you have to have a, in 5,000 years and 10,000 years I mean, you'll be giving your disciple a book, a whole book of names, and, and they'll have to meditate on them all. So you can see that this, this, the insistence on the necessity of this, hmm, as like a, as a principle, when it's really a detail of, of how initiation is conducted. Our, our Brigupad was saying the other day from, uh, Hari Bhakti Vilas that the ritual for initiation is very elaborate, um, and then give, given in, on it, at first in, and then a less elaborate one is given, and then a less elaborate one, like just give a lotus flower and the mantra, and then just give the mantra, and, and, and so forth. So, and there's substance, if you will, and, and then there's the form. And this was kind of the, very much the argument of Bhakti Siddhanta Sarasthi Thakur. We look for the substance, and it's coming to the world, and and so if in my line there's a problem in the past, but it's not a problem in the present, then whatever. It's not a problem for me. Um, and if there's a problem in the present, well, there are other lines and Vaishnavas I can get um, help from and so forth. I still re- respect the formal uh, connection as long as it's, uh, the person is, uh, that connection is not a Vaishnava aparadi, uh, which sometimes happens, unfortunately. And, and Jiva Goswami has written about this also in Bhakti Sandarbha. Um, in that case, these should be rejected, but otherwise, uh, formal respect should be obviously maintained for the guru who's helping me, but, but, um, didn't have sufficient realization or knowledge to help me. And as a result, I, um, sought the association of another person, qualified Sikshu guru. So, um, That said, we don't know who those devotees were and to what extent they were they were lacking something. I think that Sridharmarsh is speaking about a general sensibility of Bhakti Vinod and Bhakti Siddhanta Sarsati Thakur about many lineages and their lack of uh, substance at the time, whether those persons were really um, unqualified there may be more unqualified people today. Who knows? Uh, but um, 
you know, I think it's a good example of Bhakti Vinod. Some limitation in his lineage, but another arrangement is made. And does that help? Yeah, so that means like, uh, because uh, still uh, we need initiation. And, uh, we sure do. I understand. So, like, if person finds a guru that is kind of like lesser qualified, but still the guru himself or herself and disciple are in good faith, and uh, uh, so this. Uh, transmission of the, uh, the mantra? mantra works. I think that that's the argument in, in, in scripture. Sometimes it's 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 said uh, it's not big guru big mantra small guru small mantra. It's a big it's a big mantra. Something like that. <laughs> Whether the guru is big or small. Hmm? Uh, so sometimes it's said like that. Then there may be there's much need for siksha to help the, us grow the, the seed, if you will. Hmm? Uh, if you want to look at the mantra as a seed, as it is, in, in, in some cases, Jiva Goswami says the seed of your I- ideal is, is sadhusanga, hmm? uh, but the principal sadhusanga in your life would be the guru. Uh, for the most part, who imparts the, the mantras. So. so, yeah. And that said, for that, in, in fact, in, um, I believe in Hari Bhakti Velasthi, um, here we go, <laughs> I may know more about it than I <laughs> realized I quoted a few times, or, uh, uh, I, haven't, I certainly haven't studied, but the, um, the, the Krishna mantra, the 18-syllable Krishna mantra, the Gopal mantra of Gopal Tapanipanishad, is said to be the principal Krishna mantra. And while it is required on the part of the Guru to empower other mantras, Krishna mantras don't require empowerment. They're already empowered because the names of Krishna are in the mantras and the name is non-different from Krishna. So just as Harinam is independent of initiation, because it's Krishna, he can he can go wherever he wants and do what he wants. Although he he likes to see himself distributed through, you know, he what he does, he allows himself to be distributed through through his devotees. Um, similarly, anyway, with with the Krishna mantra, Jiva Goswami makes the argument, I think, in Bhakti Sandarbha that it's also empowered. So in that sense, somebody has to pass it on to us and we have to get it from somebody. Hmm. Um, but we should get it in a way that will be pleasing to to the Lord of the mantra also. And he makes that point. And it's pleasing that we will get it from um, a sadhu and show respect for the, for the sadhu and so on and so forth. And then relative to our conditioning, material conditioning, we'll be able to take advantage of it. And to the extent that we're not able to take advantage of it, then the Guru's help is is um, is essential and, and so much sought after and so forth. Yusana makes the argument if a person's not conditioned to receive the mantra, they, they could you know become perfect, but that's uh, not too many persons like that. So the need of the Guru 
In one sense, you could say there's not a need for the guru. But in a practical sense, 99.99999% uh, of the time, uh, there is. And it's a very, it's a, it's a, it's a beautiful thing to have a teacher. Hmm? Bring him an apple. Hmm? Actually, people want to know what's the relationship with the guru. Bring him around, bring her an apple. Hmm? Learn the teaching. Hmm? And the guru will be very pleased to say, oh, that student is paying attention and studying and learning. I should give more attention to that student. Does that help? Yeah. Um, now, the Madhya Madhikari, of course, is characterized by strong faith, firm faith, and other things as well. Um, so, in a much better position, obviously, to to share faith, at least by their conviction and how it is applied in practice, even if they don't, aren't a Shastra Nipun, a scriptural genius, or don't have enough ruchi taste for um, to do the Shastra Yukti and kind of land on their their feet. That's important, but still they can be very very helpful to us, obviously. Those things characterize the Rupa Goswami's Uttamadikar, person most qualified to tread the path. Hmm. Well, I mean, again, it's 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 a division Kanishta Madhyam Uttam determined by faith and faith in relation to Shastra. Hmm. So the Kanishta has weak faith, doesn't know the Shastra. The Madhyam knows but can't maybe answer everything. Hmm. But his faith is not going to be moved by other arguments, whereas the Kanishtas may be, and the Uttam can, can give all the answers. Hmm. I mean, we should be able to read a book that's been translated and know if it's right or wrong, even if we don't know Sanskrit. Hmm? That's why we should be able to do that. What else? Yes. You sometimes hear that Bhaktisiddhanta said that we should uh, take a, uh, a shoe and beat the mind a thousand times in the morning, <laughs> and then you do your name a thousand times with a stick, or something like this. Yeah, yeah, I've heard that. Uh, what does it mean, actually? Well, I don't know. I think that in the Gita, Krishna says, Udhared Atmanatmanan, Atmanan, Abhasavayat, Atmaivatmano Bandur, Atmaivaripur. Atmanaha. So, the mind is the friend of the Atma and his enemy as well. And so, as long as the mind is an enemy, maybe it needs to be beaten. The mind will come up with many proposals. There's another example that's sometimes given of a thief who robs the bank and then runs down the street and says, Thief, thief, someone robbed the bank. So... Um, Everybody comes, of course, and says, which way did he go? And went that way. And and so the mind's insidious in this way and very difficult to to, to capture and, and, and pinpoint and, and put in its place and so forth. So many thoughts. The mind is here, in a sense, you know, the seat of desire. Hmm. 
I like this, I don't like that. Sankalpa, hmm? Vikalpa. Um, and it may like and may not like, but whether that liking and not liking corresponds with what will be in our interest as a transcendentalist, that's another thing. And so when those ideas surface that from our own um, learning and experience we know are not in the interest of our the pursuit of our ideal, then um, I guess he's talking about that time. That is the mind is the enemy, and how you deal with an enemy is different than how you deal with a friend. So he's saying you beat those thoughts and don't uh, somehow somehow push them out. It's kind of a pratyahara. Hmm? Pratyahara in yoga is is the pushing out of thoughts, other thoughts, that then leads to to dharana, which is concentration and undisturbed mind. Our minds, because of karma, our karma, are not able to do dharana. Can't do the dharana. We speak of dhyan and into samadhi. So, pratyahara, and it has its place also in the in the in the in the uh, smarnam of bhakti, as it has a place in the angas of of ashtanga yoga. So, but same same principle. Pushing out of the thoughts. I think this is what he's um, talking about there. It's kind of a beat someone with shoes. I think it must be some kind of Bengali or Hindu 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 expression. Probably used to use it sometimes. Beat him with shoes. Um, shoes are you know, taken off to go in the house, and <laughs> so they're. Um, it's, it would not be. Khrushchev threw his shoe, you know, what was it, Kennedy or something? Took his shoe off, started pounding on the table once in a, at the UN years ago. Khrushchev was a leader of Russia during the Cold Cold War. <laughs> so I thought, whoa, that's pretty heavy. He took his shoe off. He's beating his shoes on the table, shoe on the head. I, I think he's just going to make a strong point that the, these, there should be, an effort should be made to, to push these thoughts out. Hmm. What else? What's the time? Seven thirty. It's like beat up your mind or get beaten up by. <laughs> this what you're in the ring, you know, so to speak. Uh, but I often say also that if you want to um, defeat the mind, you have to be more than strong, you have to be intelligent. So there's more than one way to, to defeat a person, especially someone that's stronger than you. It may look insurmountable, but there's, there's a, you can enter in the back door also, or you can go in through the window rather through the front door. So you have to work with your mind in order to defeat your mind. And that's, that's the art of yoga. So you have to, you can't just starve it. Um, it'll bite you. Hmm? So you have to give it a little food, and 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 no, a little food. Therefore, what does the Gita say? Also, yukta hara viharasya, yukta chaitasya, kamasya, yukta swapna babodasya, yogo babati dukaha. If you want to overcome the dukkha, the misery of material life, 
then you have to be moderate in your eating and sleeping and recreation. So, with regard, to, you need a little recreation sometimes. <laughs> sometimes Prabhupada would just stop and say, and yeah, yeah, tell a joke. Hmm. So, sometimes you need to take a walk in the park. Sometimes you need to work work with the mind. Hmm. Mind wants to do this, so you have to figure out, well, we do it and kind of connect it to bhakti or Guru may help us in that way. Hmm? Guru Dave, I'd like to go to Austra- Australia. What do you think? Uh, you realize he's not asking me. He's telling me he's going to Australia. <laughs> so he says, okay, well, when you're there, you know, can you pick a kiwi and bring it back? <laughs> yeah, I really wanted one from Australia itself, you know, from the tree. <laughs> um, so give it some meaning, something like that. So you have to work a little bit with the mind, and that's the art of yoga. It's, it's, it's a real art. Um, to, uh, if, in as much as yoga is arresting the mind, hmm? as much as the mind is arrested, obviously the senses will be arrested, and that these are the vehicles by which we are entering into the world and becoming disturbed. Hmm? Becoming disturbed by the comings and goings, the comings and goings and, and, of, of everything. The appearances of things that are other than what they thought. I thought it was going to be like this, but it was like that. I thought it was going to be, and so forth. So, it's all going into the into the world, and the vehicles are the senses and the mind. So to control them, we we may look within. This is the uh, sadhana, and that's it. That's a real balancing act hmm? to do that. But to c- control the mind, you control the senses. So it's the center. So yoga is about controlling the mind. So it applies in bhakti. We, we try to put Krishna on the mind. We chant and remember hmm? and meditate. We hear. Hmm? What you hear, you will repeat. What you repeat, you will think about. Hmm? What comes out of your mouth, you'll think about that. Probably more than what comes out of somebody else's mouth. If it comes out of somebody else's mouth and goes into your ear, and then you find yourself saying it, and then you think, I'm saying this, I should do this, and, and you'll think about it more. Or just to say it, you have to think about it more, also. Hmm? Anyway, so, controlling the mind um, is an art, and sometimes you have to give it a little, give it a little room. Hmm? So you have to work with it, not against it. And that that's where we, we differentiate from repression. And Krishna says, what will repression accomplish? So just repression, it's gonna come up in another way. So it's it's a it's a balancing act and 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 the guru has some responsibility, but the disciple has some responsibility too. To speak up and you know, so it's a Gurudev said this, I've got to do it. Hmm. Gurudev said, you know, we need to pick up someone at the airport. Uh, Sachi, go. Gurudev said, go. I'm going. Of course, I was up all night doing this for Gurudev. I didn't get an ounce of sleep, and I'll probably fall asleep at the wheel, but Gurudev said, I should go. So I should go. You should have said, yes, I will go, Gurudev, but... I was up all night. I didn't sleep. I might fall asleep at the building. Oh, let's, let's have Brigupad go, <laughs> or whatever it is about. You know, I mean, it's, this is for responsible people. 
people come, sometimes leave, they criticize missions like this, the very transcendental idea, because they're not very wholesome piece of people themselves. They don't, they don't, I mean, you sent that thing out, I looked at it. They don't, the arguments are just silly, you know, they're, they're, it's their own shortcomings. This is, this is for serious and responsible and wholesome people. It's the highest, you know, ideal, it's the greatest challenge, if you will. Tread the transcendental path and, and, and pursue the inner landscape to challenge. Get good, good guidance and facility and, and, you know, it's a winding path and you know, so there's some curves in the road. That's what I'm saying. We've got to work with the mind. Come, spend time, go, come back. Right? Alright, so stop